There are three great events coming in the future in the end of time that often confuse people and give us very great difficulty in understanding what will happen when Jesus comes back. No man knows the day or the hour, so I will not even pretend to tell you the day or the time or the month or the year when Jesus will return. But the Bible does give us information about these three events. I would like to tonight give you an organization for the end times. A structure for the end times with these three great events. And I'd like to begin, first of all, by showing you where these events are in the Bible. Secondly, we're going to ask, how can these events work out? And thirdly, I'm going to show you the right answer. So, I want to raise the question tonight, what will happen when Jesus comes back? What should we look forward to? What will, what will tell us what's going on? How can we pray? How can we live? These three great events are found very clearly in the Bible. Let's see them right out of the pages of the Bible. And I'll let you pick. Do you want to start with the positive or with the negative? Positive or negative? Which side do you want to start with? Okay, he says the positive. Now, if I were you, I'd always start with the negative, and then so you end with something good. But let's start with the positive. Go in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 2. We're going to use our Bibles a lot this evening, so be ready to turn. Isaiah chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to help you with a Bible. If you need one, please let me know after the service, and I'll be glad to help you. And also, since we believe that spiritual food is more important than anything else, you are welcome to move closer and sit by someone who does have a Bible if you would like to be able to see those words. Isaiah chapter 2. The first question is, what is the positive thing? What positive thing? Isaiah chapter 2. Look at this. Verse 1, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Verse 2, and it will come to pass... At what time? Tell me, what's the time in verse 2? In the last days. That the mountain of the Lord's house will be established in the top of the mountains and will be exalted above the hills. And who will go to the mountain of the Lord? All nations. If you have a pen, you can underline all nations. Verse 3. And many people will go and say, come, 
Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways. Who's going to do the teaching? God. And all these people are going up. He will teach us his ways. We will walk in his paths. For out of Zion will go forth the law. And the word of the Lord will go from where? Jerusalem. So all the nations, many people, the word of the Lord going from Jerusalem. Verse 4. And he will judge among who? The nations. He will rebuke many people. And they will do something now in verse 4 that's absolutely shocking. What are they going to do in verse 4? They will beat their swords into what? Plows. They're going to take all of their weapons and turn their weapons into farm tools. They'll take their guns and they'll exchange them for tractors. And they're going to take their spears and make garden tools out of them. Nation will not lift up sword against who? And they will not learn something anymore. They're going to stop learning this. What will they stop learning? No more war, no more fighting, no more weapons. All the nations. Do you see that in verse 2? Who's going to do it in verse 2? All nations. What will they do in verse 4? No more fighting. Question. Has that happened? Has that happened? Would you like that to happen? If all the nations went to Jerusalem, God himself taught all the nations, they all are saying, come, come, let's go, let's go, hey, let's go. And they take all their guns, all their knives, and if you don't have guns and knives, then you don't need police. Sorry, police, your jobs are done. We'll, 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 we'll sell shoes in all the police stations. If you make burglar bars, sorry, you're done. No more work. If you, if you are making these right here, no more keys. Why do you need keys? We don't need keys anymore. No more locks. Go to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. Verse 4. But with the righteous, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with justice the meek of the earth, and he will smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. He's going to kill all the wicked people? Verse 5. And righteousness will be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. What is happening in verse 6? The wolf will dwell with who? And the leopard will lie down with who? And the calf and the lion? What are they going to do? 
And who's going to lead all of these animals? Verse 7, the the cow and the bear will feed together. Their young ones will lie down together. The The lion will eat straw like the ox. The little child will play on the hole of the snake. And the weaned child will put his hand on the adder's den, the snake's den. Verse 9, they will not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For, and this is amazing, can you understand this? Verse 9, the earth will be full of something. What will it be full of? The knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So in case you are thinking there's just a little bit of knowledge, no, 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 it's going to be so much knowledge that what is it like? The waters covering the sea. Do the waters cover the sea just a little bit? Or is it saturated? Do you want to live at this time? This is the positive. This is revival. This is glory and wonder. Do you want this? I want this. Brothers and sisters, do you pray for this? I can show you many more, but let me just show you one. Go to Psalm 72. Psalm 72. There are many, many like this in the Old Testament. When I say many, I mean more than 50. Go to Psalm 72. Psalm 72, in verse number 7. In his days the righteous will flourish and an abundance of peace so long as the moon endures. Wow, a lot of peace. Verse 8. He will have dominion from where to where? He will be the king from one sea to the other and from the river to the ends of the earth. Those, verse 9, those who dwell in the wilderness will do what? Bow in front of him and his enemies will do what? They will lick the dust. Verse 10, the kings of Tarshish and of the islands will bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba, those are probably African countries in North Africa, will offer gifts. Verse 11, yes, all kings will fall down before him. Are all of the kings falling in front of Jesus All nations will serve him. Has that happened? Look at verse 17. His name will endure how long? Verse 17. His name will be continued as long as the sun and men will be blessed in him. All nations will call him blessed. Verse 19, and blessed be his glorious name forever and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Is that happening right now? Are all of the kings bowing down? Are all nations serving him? 
the first great event is a great revival. A revival that covers all nations from sea to sea, the whole earth. That's the first great event. But I said how many great events were there? Three. I said there's a positive and a negative, but maybe you've noticed that positive and negative, that's two. And I said there were three great events. The third great event is a shocking event. So for our second great event, do you want me to cover the negative or the shocking? They said, let's get done with the negative. On the front, they want the negative. Get it done and over with. Take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Verse number four. Let's begin in verse three. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? They want to know when he's going to come, and they want to know when the world will end. What does Jesus say? Verse 4, and Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceive you. Verse 5, for many will become Christians and all the nations will love Jesus. Is that what it says? Verse 5, many will come in my name saying, I am Christ, and they will trick, deceive, lie to many. Verse 6, you will hear of war and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Verse 7, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in many places. Verse 8, all these are only what? Just the beginning of sorrow. It's going to get much worse than this. Then will they deliver you up to be afflicted and they will kill you. Who's the you in verse 9? Christians. They will deliver you up to be afflicted and they will kill you. You will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and they will betray one another and will hate one another. Verse 11. And many false prophets will rise up in Louis Tricart and will deceive many vendas. Verse 12, and because iniquity will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Do you want to live at this time? Is that happening right now? Verse 13, but the one who endures till when? To the end will be saved. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom must be preached in Mozambique. In all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. Verse 15, when you hear 
When you therefore will see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Verse 16, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Verse 17, let the one who is in the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him who is in the field return back to take his clothes. Verse 19, woe to the one who has pregnant or with child, to those who are nursing in those days, and pray that your flight is not in the winter or on the Sabbath day. Verse 21, for then will be great tribulation. How great, everyone, in verse 21. Such as was not from the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever will be. Verse 22, and unless those days were cut short, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if any man says to you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, there. Do not believe it. For there will arise how many false Christs? There will arise false Christs and false prophets, and will show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Do you want to live during that time? Our first great event is a good thing. It's a revival. No war. Basically no sin. Everyone's a Christian. All the nations are Christians. The churches are packed with people. You might have to have services all through the week just to get all the people to come. There's, there's lines of people. There's no police. There's no army. Every soldier is out of work. <laughs> there's no corruption in the government. There's only one party to vote for because it's Jesus. In fact, there is no voting because he's the king. Wow! There will be unprecedented, unprecedented wealth Because poverty will be banished. Can you imagine that? No poor people. That's the revival. That's the good part. That's the blessing. That's the golden age. But that's not the only thing that's happening at the end. There's this other thing, this terrible time. And if God doesn't stop that, no one will make it through. No one will live. If God didn't say, enough is enough, it's over, then no one would live. Are you ready for the third event? The shocking event. The surprising event. It's in the same chapter of Matthew. Look at Matthew 12, I'm sorry, Matthew 24. Verse 29, Matthew 24, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon will not give her light 
and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Verse 30, and then what will happen? The sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. Verse 36 But of that day and hour knows no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Turn over to look at verse 42. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord comes. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would have not allowed his house to be broken open. Verse 44, Therefore be ye ready. Be ye ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man will come. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord has made ruler over his house, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he comes, will find so doing. Verily I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. Verse 48, but if that evil servant will say in his heart, my Lord delays his coming and will begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he does not look for him and in an hour that he is not aware and he will cut him in half and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Three great events. One is positive. One is negative. One is shocking. You don't know when it's going to happen. And if you're not living according to this, you will be in great danger. That's the first point in the sermon tonight. I'm trying to organize three great events of the end times. Can you name these three great events? The first one is the revival. The day of the Lord. The golden age. The kingdom of God on earth. That's the first one. The second one we can call the destruction or the tribulation. That was that word in Matthew 24. Did you see that word? Great tribulation. So we can call it the great revival, the great tribulation. And the third one is the great coming or the great appearing. The great return. So revival, return, and ruin. Positive, negative, and shocking. That's the first point of the sermon. I'm attempting to help us understand what's happening. Now the second point of the sermon is very short. How can we arrange these? 
These things are arranged in four ways. These three events can be arranged in four ways. Are you ready? Way number one. The tribulation happened long ago. The ruin happened long ago. 2,000 years ago, after Jesus went back to heaven, the ruin happened back then, and we are right now living in the revival. And the shocking, the great return is going to happen when the whole world is Christian. That's the first way to arrange it. Did you follow that? So when did the ruin happen? And what are we in right now? Revival. And what's going to happen long in the future when every single person in the world is a Christian? That's when Jesus returns, the shocking event. That's one way to look at it. Here's the second way. The great ruin is happening now. And the great revival is happening. And the shocking event will happen in the future. That's the second way to arrange it. Don't laugh. So, so do you understand? What's the first way? The ruin is in the past. The revival is now. The return is in the future. The second way is the ruin is now. The revival is now. The return is in the future. Don't, don't, let, let me just explain this just a minute here. Maybe you, you're laughing here. Let me just clarify this a little bit. The ruin, view number two says, the ruin is happening right now. Look at all the problems. But the revival, where's the revival? In my heart. Where's the revival? It's in Kenny's heart. It's in Lydia's heart and Agnes's heart. There's ruin all around at Messina. But in those three, the kingdom of God has come. And in Kenny's heart, he's throwing down his weapons, stomping on his weapons. Okay? And in Kenny's heart, he had a wolf and he had a lamb. And now the wolf and the lamb are, are sleeping together. And they're so happy in Kenny's heart and Lydia's heart and Agnes's heart. Does that make sense? I'm not asking you if it's true. I'm just asking if it makes sense. So view number two says, the ruin's happening in the world, but all these things are happening in our hearts. View number one said, the ruin happened long ago, but right now we're living in revival. Now, is that true? Are we living in the great revival right now? Well, let me just ask you. Would you rather live today or would you rather live 500 years ago? Do the Shonas have a Bible? Yes. When did they get their Bible? 1949. Do the Vendas have a Bible? When did they get their Bible? 1936. Do the Tsongas have a Bible? When did they get their Bible? 1907. So see, it's just getting better and better. Would you like to live 500 years ago? With no pep and no jet and no game and no pick and pay? Would you like to live when we don't have dye for cloth and we don't have watches and plastic? Would you like to live without Bibles and hymn books and we can record sermons on cell phones? 
So if you want to live today, that means the world is getting better. That's view number one. Okay? View number three. Now you've got to choose one of these, all right? And you have to choose the one that's in the Bible. So I'm going to help you. View number three. You ready for view number three? The ruin is happening now. The return will happen. And the revival happens in heaven. After Jesus comes back, then we have the revival in heaven. Does that sound better? No, 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 that, if we can understand that, right? So, so right now we've got all these problems, right? We're in the great tribulation and someday Jesus will come and then we get where? Then we get to heaven, then it's wonderful and peaceful and perfect. I think you like that view, don't you? You say, ah, oh, that makes more sense. Okay, because, yeah, there's all these problems on earth. That makes more sense. I could see that happening then. Really? Do you remember the second verse I read in Isaiah 11? It says he's going to kill all the wicked people. Is he going to kill all the wicked people in heaven? Where do these wicked people get into heaven from? How'd that happen? And there's another, I didn't share all these with you, but in Isaiah 65, it says when all this revival is happening, that people will live a long time. Maybe hundreds of years. It says if someone dies at 100 years old, during the revival, they will say, oh, he was just a little baby. So, wait a minute. If, if that's heaven, how do you have a baby dying at 100 years old? How's that happen in heaven? And then it says, but a sinner will be judged immediately. How do you have babies dying at 100 years old in heaven and sinners getting into heaven and then being judged in heaven? How'd that happen? Wait a minute. That's view number three. You follow? Are you staying with these views, right? Help me out here. On view number one, what's in the past? Ruin. What's happening right now? Revival. What will happen in the future? Return. Okay, view number two. What's happening right now? Ruin. What's happening right now? Revival. What's happening in the future? Return. View number three, what's happening now? Ruin. What's happening in the future? Return. And what's happening in heaven? Okay. I hope that you're looking at each of these things. Hmm. Because there's still another view. View number four. And it goes like this. Ruin. Return. Revival. Not yet. It hasn't started yet. But how can I show you that from the Bible? Well, it just so happens that there is a book in the Bible that is written to explain all of that. Go in your Bibles now to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. And all of that was the introduction. Now let's begin the sermon. Revelation chapter 6. 
What are the first words of Revelation 6? Read the first three words, Lloyd. Say that a little bit louder. Now I watch. Does everyone see those words? You're going to see those words come up again when we get to chapter 19. Let me just tell you about those words. Those words are two Greek words. They're very important. They show a sequence of events. One event following another. You see, the book of Revelation is written to explain what's going to happen in the future. And in Revelation chapter 6 to Revelation chapter 18, we have an explanation of a terrible time of ruin. Look at chapter 6 and verse number 2. I saw and behold a white horse. I'm sorry, verse 1 even, start at verse 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. There are seven seals that seal this book. And every one of these seals will be a judgment that comes on the earth. And down through chapter 6, these judgments will come. In verse 1, the first seal. If you have a pen, write the numbers right in the side. Verse 1, put number 1. Verse 3, when he had opened the second seal, right? Number 2 beside that. Down at verse 5, when he had opened the third seal, right? Number 3. Verse 7, right? Number 4. But look at this in verse number 8. When the fourth seal is open, and I looked, and behold... A pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed him. And power was given to them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. What part of the earth will die? 25%. Right now, that is almost. Two billion people. That would be the equivalent of every single person in Africa dying like that. And most of the people in Europe dying like that. At one time. Has that ever happened? In the history of the world, has that happened? Keep going with these seals. Verse 9, right? Number 5, the fifth seal. Verse 12, the sixth seal. You can read these and see all the things that happen in these seals, in these judgments, but the point here is that there is terrible destruction. Chapter 7, more terrible events are happening as God's people are persecuted in chapter 7. Chapter 8, verse 1, when he'd opened the seventh seal, write down 7 by verse 1. 
Then we begin trumpets. Look at chapter 8, verse 6. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared to sound. Verse 7, chapter 8, verse 7. The first angel sounded, right? Number 1. Verse 8, number 2. Verse 9, number 3. Look at verse 9. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. Has that ever happened that 30% of all the fish and all the sharks and all the octopi and all the squids and all the animals in the ocean died? Has that ever happened? And a third of the ships were destroyed? Has that ever happened? No. Keep going. Verse 11. The name of the star is called Wormwood. The third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died from the water because the waters were made bitter. A star or a meteorite falls into the ocean. It poisons drinking water and fresh water. The rivers, the fountains of water are poisoned. Look at verse 12. The fourth angel sounded. There's number four. Chapter 9, verse 1. Write number 5. Chapter 9, verse 13. There's number 6. Chapter 9, verse 13. Number 6. But go down to chapter 9, verse 18. By these three... The third part of men were killed by the fire, by the smoke, and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. How many people die in chapter 9, verse 18? 33%. Between this one alone, chapter 9, verse 18, and chapter 6, between just those two, We have 50% or more of the world's population destroyed. Has it ever happened in the history of the world that 50% of the world's population has died? Yes, the flood of Noah. Outside of the flood, has it ever happened? No, it's never happened. So the people who say we're in the ruin right now, what do you do with that? Now they have answers for it, but their answers are not correct. These terrible things will happen in the future. When God brings great tribulation on the earth and you will be deceived if you are not one of God's elect. You will be tricked. Your eyes will be confused. There will be so many false prophets. They will trick you and you will say, oh, that sounds right. Why do you think, why do you think on a cold night when we have COVID-19, we are still preaching the Bible? Because this is coming. Whether COVID-19 is here or not, that's coming. And it's terrifying. And if you're not one of God's elect, you're going to be tricked. 
And the people you love will be tricked. The world has never seen anything like this. In fact, if this kept going, everyone would die. But God said, I'm going to cut it short for the sake of the elect. If he did not cut it short for the sake of the elect, no one would live. This is terrifying. It goes on. We're, we're not even, we're, not, we're just beginning. Chapter 10 goes on with more description of the judgment. 11 and 12 explain different events. Chapter 13 explains satanic, the satanic trinity. In the future there will be a beast and a false prophet. And a man known as the Antichrist. That's in chapters 12 and 13. Chapter 14, we get back to these terrible judgments. But even during the judgments, look what he says. Verse 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them who dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. This terrible judgment is coming on all the world, but God is still rich with mercy. And He offers mercy to all who will bow the knee to Jesus. It is insanity for you to reject Jesus Christ. He pleads with you. He begs you. He sends His angels to fly through heaven. He sends missionaries. He sends Bibles. He sends preachers. He gives you apps on your phone. He gives you unprecedented wealth so that you can buy smartphones and download and listen to sermons. And we don't care. And when a preacher tells us the truth, we say, yeah, 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 but we're lying. Yeah. And we don't care. And he pleads and pleads so that at the final day, no one can ever say, you weren't merciful. He was merciful. If you go to hell, it is over my pleading with you. I'm warning you, you have been told. I put it out there for you, for you to hear. This is the warning. And you will remember Jesus told us this in Matthew chapter 24. Behold, I have told you. You have been warned. You have to push me away. You have to slap me in the face to go into hell. You've got to get away around me, but I'm going to tell you. This ruin goes on. Look at chapter 14. There's something here that I wanted to address tonight as it's come up a number of times. Chapter 14, verse 9. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worships the beast and his image and receives his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same will drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. 
Even Jesus will watch as they endure the wrath of God. And the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever. And they have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast and his image. And whoever receives the mark of his name. What is the mark of the beast? Go back to chapter 13, verse 17. Chapter 13, verse 17. And that no man might buy or sell except the one who had the mark, the name of the beast and the number of his name. You can't buy or sell unless you have this. What is it? Verse 18. Let him who has understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six. Six, six. Let me explain this for a moment. The number is the number of the beast. It shows that he is a man, he's not God. And you cannot, you cannot fall for this mark of the beast if you are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not the kind of thing that, well, there's a 5G network and I love Jesus and I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying and fasting and I'm evangelizing and then, oh, they put a a chip in my cell phone and that's the mark of the beast. It's not something like that. It is something where you are choosing, oh, I don't really follow Christ. I'm not a true Christian. I don't have the marks of the fruit of the Spirit. I don't pray. I don't fast. I don't evangelize. I don't read my Bible. I'm not watching for Jesus coming. I don't know the five solas. Oh, sure, I go to church like everyone else because I like to sing and dance. Oh, Do this thing? Sure, I'll do it. That's the person who takes the mark of the beast. The way to be protected from the mark of the beast is not to watch YouTube videos about someone putting a chip in the right hand. That's not the way to avoid the mark of the beast. The way to avoid the mark of the beast is to trust in Jesus and love him, to read his Bible and be sure that the Holy Spirit is filling your heart. Those people cannot be lost. If you are a true Christian, you can't be tricked into taking the mark of the beast. Remember, if it were possible, he would deceive the elect. Matthew 24, verse 24. It's not possible. God will not allow it that true Christians can take the mark of the beast. If you love and trust Jesus, if you read your Bible, if you confess your sins, if you are a Christian, you can't take the mark of the beast. The question here is not, what is the mark of the beast? Let me watch some video to see about what they're doing in Europe and how they're they're putting a tattoo on your right hand so that you can buy and sell. I've seen those kinds of things. Don't, Don't worry about that. What you need to worry about is this. Am I a true Christian? That's what you need to worry about. Do I have the marks that show that I am truly born again? Because if you're born again, you can't take the mark. And you don't need to worry about the mark. 
This wrath goes on. Look at this in verse 15. Chapter 14, verse 15. Revelation 14, verse 15. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress even to the horses' bridles. That's almost two meters tall, deep by the space of 1,600 furlongs. That's a whole valley full of death and destruction. When has this ever happened? Go to chapter 19. You can continue to read chapter 16, 17, 18 for more on the terrible time of ruin or tribulation. But go to chapter 19. And look at verse 11. What words do you see in verse 11? Then I saw. Does that sound like what you heard back in chapter 6? Now I saw and I saw, then I saw, now I watched. This is a sequence of events. Those two words in chapter 19, verse 11, are two Greek words. They mean a sequence is happening. And I want you, if you can, to circle these. In chapter 19, verse 11, and I saw. Then chapter 19, verse 17. Circle the next one. Then I saw. Chapter 19, verse 19. Then I saw, chapter 20, verse 1. Do you see it? See if you can find the next one after chapter 20, verse 1. 20, verse 4. Where is it after chapter 20, verse 4? 20, verse 11. Where is it after 20, 11? 20, verse 12. After 21, verse 12, where is it? 21 verse 1. Eight times this sequence comes. And I want to explain this to you right here. This sequence, there are many reasons to believe view number four is correct. That ruin will come in the future. The return will come after the ruin. And then there's a great revival. But these This sequence of eight times, then I saw, then I saw, then I saw, then I saw, is one of the best reasons to believe that the fourth view is right. Not this one, ruin happened in the past, there's a revival right now, then Jesus will come back. Not this one, ruin is now, revival is now, 
Jesus in the future, not ruin is now, Jesus comes back, revival in heaven. Ruin is coming in the future, then Jesus comes back, and then the great revival. Let me show you that in this list of sequence. Chapter 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed in a garment dipped in blood, that is the blood of his enemies, and his name is called the Word of God. Who is that? Jesus Christ. And the armies, verse 14, which were in heaven, followed him on white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should smite who? Who will he smite? And he will do what to the nations? Rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his garment and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is the return. Can anyone doubt that this is the return? This is the king coming back with power to throw down the nations. Do you remember what we read in Isaiah chapter 2? He's going to throw down the nations and destroy their weapons. Do you remember Isaiah chapter 11? He's going to rule all the nations. Here he comes. But what happened before he came back? Chapter 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened in a white horse. What happened before the white horse? We just read it. Chapter 6 to chapter 18. How many people die? Almost everyone. Half the earth or more is destroyed. Has that happened yet? No. That's in the future. And then after those people die... After that terrible time of tribulation, after the mark of the beast, after the, the, the terrible judgments of the angels, after the angels flying through heaven, begging you to repent, then what happens? And I saw heaven opened and a white horse and the rider on the white horse. What happens after that? Verse 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cries with a loud voice. Look down to verse 18. Eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of those that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. Verse 19. Then I saw, we keep going in a sequence, the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the one who sat on the horse. Who's the one who sat on the horse? Jesus Christ. They're all gathering to fight who? Jesus. When? In the future. At the end of the tribulation. At the end of the ruin. When Jesus comes back, all the armies of the earth gather together. They hate him. They are going to kill him and destroy him. Verse number 20. And the beast was taken with him, the false prophet. <clears throat> who had wrought miracles before him. 
with which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. That's the first time the words lake of fire are found in the Bible. And every reference to the lake of fire is found in the next 30 verses. From there, chapter 19, verse 20, up to chapter 21, verse 8, we have every reference to the lake of fire. It's right there, almost at the very end of the Bible. Verse 21, 1921, and the remnant, those who were left, were slain with the sword of the one who sat on the horse, which, horse, which sword proceeds out of his mouth, and the fowls were filled with their flesh. When Jesus comes back, so we know this, The ruin is when? And the return is when? The ruin is in the future. The return is in the future. Look at this, chapter 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he, oh, and I saw. Did you notice that? And I saw. It's the next item. Chapter 20, verse 1. After Jesus comes back, the next thing, an angel comes down with a key and a chain. He lays hold on the dragon, the old serpent, that is the devil and Satan. What does he do with him in verse 2? He binds him and throws him in the pit for how long? If you have a pen, underline thousand years, verse 2. Verse 3, he cast him into the bottomless pit. He shut him up. He set a seal on him so that he cannot deceive the nations anymore until, underline, thousand years would be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little bit. Verse 4, what are the first words of verse 4? Then I saw thrones and those who sat on them and judgment was given to them. I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark in their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ. How long? A thousand years. Verse five, but the rest of of the dead did not live again until how long? Thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ. And will reign with him for how long? Thousand years. Verse 7. When the thousand years are over, Satan is loosed out of his prison. Is Satan bound up right now? No way. That's in the future during that thousand years. Let me ask you, if Satan was bound, what would the world be like? Revival. Everything we read from Psalm 72 and Isaiah 2 and Isaiah 11, it happens when? Thousand years. And what's the order? Ruin, then what? Return, then what? Revival. That's the order. And how long is the revival? A thousand years. And who will not be there? Satan. He'll be bound up. How can we have a place with no poverty, no sickness, no police, no, no problems, no racism, no anger, no bitterness, no divorce? Because Satan is bound. The unbelievers have been killed. 
And Christ rules the earth. At the end of the thousand years, what happens? Verse 8. He goes out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. 